Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military themed. Go to the website, www.usa-k9.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Hey guys, it's no secret here that we love e-callers on Working Dog Radio. In fact, we love our dog ones. Are you utilizing yours correctly though? Have you wanted to understand them fully? We cannot recommend this webinar enough being put on by Pat Nolan and Connie Cleveland Nolan on April 24th at 7 p.m. The name of the webinar is Electric Callers Forthright Discussion. You can head to patnolan.com, that's N-O-L-A-N, or onlineobediencetraining.com. The best part is if you can't watch it on the 24th, it will be in the downloads in your library and you can have access to it at any time. Sign up starts April 10th. Again, that's patnolan, N-O-L-A-N.com, or onlineobediencetraining.com. Go hit them up. Eric here. You know, one of our most popular episodes of Working Dog Radio is our interview with Cameron Ford. Cameron, the uh, Naval Special Warfare trainer on the West Coast, trained and handled dogs all over the United States. He has since moved to Las Vegas and joined up with the team at Silver State Canine. If you follow them on social media, you'll see that place is state-of-the-art. It's like a uh, detection dog playground. I'm really super jealous of that place. Silver State Canines holding a bunch of classes coming up, man. Chance to learn from the best in the business. Cameron's knowledge of dog behavior is off the charts. May 6th through the 17th, the Detection Dog Trainer class. Chance to go out there and learn how to be a trainer from those guys. Silver State Canine, May 6th through the 17th. May 30th and 31st, they have a Canine Handler Explosive and IED Familiarization course. If you're a bomb dog handler or bomb dog trainer, this is the course for you. Learn everything you need to know about the commercial military-grade explosives, including safe handling of training aids. May 30th and 31st. June 3rd to the 7th, a nose scent work trainers class. This is really cool. If you're into teaching dogs how to find stuff, dogs that you don't think could actually do it, dogs that could compete in nose work competition, this is the class for you, June 3rd to the 7th. Canine Supervisors course, September 23rd to the 25th. We have a lot of supervisors thrown in to the canine unit because they're a sergeant or lieutenant and they don't know anything about it and they're making critical errors. September 23rd to the 25th in Las Vegas, SilverStateK9.com is the website. Check them out on social media, SilverState K9. Cameron Ford and the folks over there just waiting for you to come out, doing some great stuff. Don't forget, check them out, SilverStateK9.com. Any working dog handler can tell you these dogs find magical and magnificent ways to hurt themselves. Hell, half of being a handler is keeping them from hurting themselves. Much like maintenance training, care and upkeep is an important ongoing duty of any working handler, no matter if it's military, law enforcement, search and rescue, or sport. I had a dual-purpose dog at the kennel that we were training 
that had a hot spot from a food allergy and it was clearly bugging him. We had to continue working this dog. I didn't have time for him to take off. So our vet wanted to put him on some anti-inflammatory, and I'm usually pretty anti-med unless it's absolutely necessary. If you remember from the Janet Baker episode, certain medications will cause problems with detection, and I ain't got time for that. I found a product called Quick Term from the people over at VetCare. I used this spray once a day for a week, and it was gone completely. We had another dog get a puncture wound during a track on his chest, and it probably needed a staple, but it was in a weird area. So I clipped a fur around it and put this on there once a day for about 10 days and it was like it never happened. This isn't a Me Too product and it's not relabeled. It's specifically made for dogs and horses. Nothing like it on the market and it works on wounds but it also takes care of skin issues like flea dermatitis, hot spots like I mentioned, lick sores, granulomas, pad injuries, and the dreaded happy tail which causes the back of your patrol cruiser to look like the OJ crime scene. It's a patented formula with a lot of science behind it. This shit really works. Due disclosure, I got tagged pretty bad and needed to get sewn back together a couple months ago. And I may have used it on myself, and it works great. The stuff is also temperature stable, so you can keep it in the patrol car with all the rest of your first aid supplies in the summer and the winter, and it'll help prevent small issues from becoming larger ones, and it'll keep the admins happy because the vet bills will go down. Head over to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR. That's 10WDR and get 10% off. Get your working dogs working again and quicker with QuickDerm. All right, we are back. This is Ted Summers in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting The Bite. With me, as always, is Eric Stambro in Canton, Ohio. Eric, what's up? Well, the usual stuff. It's uh, cold, and <laughs> pet dogs galore. I have a, currently a puggle. Oh, fun. I, don't, don't ask. A puggle. I got a, uh, this is great, I got a dachshund <laughs> named Eight Ball. Yeah. Her name is Eight Ball. Nice. I like this dog. <laughs> uh, I got a couple dogs coming in from Europe, 18th of April. Got some guys coming up this week to do some uh, police dog training stuff. Hey, do you remember the other day when we posted on um, on our social media pages that, that video of me with that new Ray Allen hoodie treat pouch? Yeah, the thing that goes inside to keep your hands from smelling like dog treats, or to keep your hoodies from smelling like dog treats, that one? Yeah, you put it, yeah. it fits inside the hoodie pocket, and yeah. one side you can put... Uh, you know, food reward in the other side has a ball or toy or whatever. Right. Well, that doesn't come out till April, but dude, they came out with this really sweet one that fits inside your pocket, just the pocket of your pants. It came out today. It's a collaborative with Ray Allen and somebody else. It came out today. That thing is awesome, man. I'm using the crap out of it. That's one good thing about our relationship with Ray Allen is we get to free cool stuff. And yes. um, like I said, I think that came out today. If they went to RayAllen.com, people will find it. But it's a great way to keep your your pants from stinking like, you know, hot dogs if you use them or Bill Jack or crumbs of whatever kind. Your dogs aren't <laughs> trying to sniff your pants and rip your pockets off. Pocket sand is <laughs> way different for us. Yes, it keeps you from having pocket sand. No, I saw the video. I was like, oh, I got to have one of these. Uh, I guess I at least reached out to Matt and was like, Ted's already asking for one of these. He was like, they're not ready yet. And I'm like, well... <laughs> shit so yeah yeah uh, kind of getting ready for hits you know hits that conference is coming up in august the 13th right. through the 16th in chicago i can't wait man we had such a good time in hits last year 13th to the 16th in august chicago is going to be a blast it's nice and warm right. there at that time uh dc was cool man they got a lot they're gonna have a a, a lot to do to uh beat last year but i know they will man it's gonna be great if you get on hits canine.net people can sign up don't wait though folks there's uh, a lot of folks there, a lot of people, a lot of great instructions. Uh, hits K9.net. 
Yeah, I think the homies from Dogtra are going to be there too. Um, everybody knows that we love Dogtra. I was using the Popper and the 1900S today. In fact, I have two 1900Ss and I had to do the whole paint job on one to remember which one does which. And I had a dog in the back of the car and I tagged, well, I had the wrong remote and, and the dog almost turned the kennel over. He was asleep in the back. And I just, so, yeah. But uh, I've got three of those things and I've modified the poppers so they stick to cars and everything else now. And I've been using them. I've got a patrol school starting with four dudes. It starts next week. Uh, they're going to be, some of those guys are going to be at our HRD thing in Bartlesville, which is April 1st to the 3rd. There's still a little bit of room. I think the audit spots are filled up, but the working spots are still available for that. Uh, I think we're going to have 12 teams total, so should be good. My guys are going, or some of them are going. That'll be fantastic. What else you got going on? Um, not much. I'm thinking about, I don't know, we got, you know, we have all these different HRD seminars we're doing. I'm trying to get people to... You know, to go to as many of these things as they can, whether it's with us or whether it's with HITS or at the Blue Line Conference in Pittsburgh or, you know, some of our other uh, partners like Highland Canine and Southern Coast Canine. I was checking out Southern Coast Canine's website uh, today. Man, I tell you what, them dudes got a lot of stuff going on, man. It seems like constantly some sort of school going on. Um, the one that really stuck out to me is May 6th through June 14th. There's a six-week patrol course or six-week patrol trainers course. I was like, man, if, if I hadn't already been a trainer going down to Florida, uh, the Daytona area uh, in May into June to go learn from them dudes would be amazing. SouthernCoastCanine.com is their website. They got so much stuff on there. Pretty much anything you could want, you could get off SouthernCoastCanine.com. Yeah, Danny hit me up today, too. And uh, they're hiring two single-purpose detection trainers, too, right now. So... If you're listening to this and you want to train drug and bomb dogs, you can live in Florida. <laughs> Hit up Danny mm, yep, or Bill. Danny's awesome. He's I think he was one of our early, early interviewees. And yeah, he's their head he's their head guy down there. We got to hang out with him when we went down to Bravo Three with the Tripwire kids. Great dude, brought us some nice green dogs to work with the Volusia County boys. So yeah. Uh other than that, I'm working Hype, the dog I got from Kendall. Um, I'm going to do explosives on her, and I've started using some True Scent stuff from the kids at Signature Science, imprinting her on HME. I've already gotten through several of the odors, so uh, I'm starting some of the other um, more complex stuff with her. I'm doing uh, indirect reward with her. I'm not going to be doing direct, so we'll see how that works out. Um, I've done several dogs that way, but figured since she's going to stay with me forever that uh, we'll see how it turns out. But yeah. Imprinted on RDX and the True Scent uh, canine stuff, RDX. Uh, you can go check that stuff out at True Scent canine. It's different than a pseudo, it's actually a simulant. So it's the actual explosive odor suspended in silica. Uh, so it's actual explosive odor. You don't got to have an ATF permit to have it and it does work. So hit them up, truescentcanine.com. Yeah, Hype seems to like it, so she's doing well. Awesome. That's great. I like True Scent, man. That's good stuff. So I'm real excited about our guest tonight. You want to go into that? Yep. Uh, tonight, uh, this is our third interview in the series of three um, with handlers that were either injured or had their dogs injured while deployed. Had Chris Corbin on, which this ep- that ep- by the way, recording this, that episode's already uploaded and great episode. Then we one coming up next is going to be Alec Alcazar, who him and his dog Alex uh, were both injured on deployment. Both are doing well now. And tonight, we have Dave Nielsen on. Dave, how are you? Very well, thanks. Good to be here with you both. Yeah, man, it's great. I watched the documentary and that Channing Tatum did that you were in, and then I listened to you on the IG Recon, and I thought, oh, man, it'd be cool that uh, if we could get him on the show, too. And we kind of did some hunting around and managed to get a hold of you. So, man, it's great to have you on. And uh, 
why don't you start giving us a little bit of the background, how you got into the military, and then how you ended up uh, working a leash. Okay, I'm kind of an older guy. I uh, retired, but I had a 10-year break in service, so I was I started back in 89 at 175 First Ranger, jumped into Panama and Desert Storm and all that. Got out after one tour of 10 years, and then came back in after 9-11, couple more years in the Rangers, and it was there in Iraq that I saw the unit using dogs in a different way that I had never seen. And I was just, you know, everybody's seen the sort of detection routine that's hired Shepard just sort of walking around. But this was just, I, I just saw dogs doing, I didn't know what they were doing, but it was cool. So I right. just thought that if I ever did, did get to the unit, I would definitely want to do that. And I did in 04, I got to the unit. That was my first job there. I did it for two years with Pepper. She was killed right at the end of my, it was sort of a two-year deal. So, unfortunately, she died right at the end of that. But, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. I left after that. I just went back to the, as an operator say that that was the physically hardest job ever. It was uh, just especially, um, I'm sure anybody that's done it can relate to it, but um, infill and exfill off of helos, you know, everything. Nothing is easy uh, with the canine. It's, although it was also the best job I ever had, just, you know, because you get to have your dog there with you. So, right. I did that for two years. Um, the movie came out a year and a half ago, November of 17. That was just pretty neat to do that with HBO and Channing Tatum and John Dixon and, and Trent. Um, you know, I still are friends with all those, the producers and all them, and just really good people. It was a great experience, but um, I'm like really, really retired now. My wife, and I and our dog Doug, he's the Labrador that worked at the unit. He retired with us as well. So, excellent. So you're retired officially now, <laughs> like for good, the second time. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, like people are. So what do you do now? I'm like, no, you you missed the part where I said I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you do now? When you went back the second time, you went to Special Forces. You went back to the Rangers. Back to the Rangers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did two years there and uh, went to selection in '04 and. And made it and then did my last nine years and some change at the unit. So I like to ask all the Ranger guys that come on here. So you were first the 75th. Do you, do you want to talk shit about the second or third at all? Oh, I want to talk shit about the whole regiment. Like, they drive me nuts. I was just telling, I was talking to John Hendricks last week. Like, it's like I love them, you know. Obviously, I, you know, you give so much. and uh, But, man, there's just so many things, too, you know, with dogs, with John Dixon, the middle section in the documentary right like that that was they were the ones that wronged him you know in my opinion on that but hopefully that doesn't happen again to a handler that was horrible that mika was not reunited with him you know we can be mad at the cop all we want but uh mika died a, a week or two before the documentary released and uh i don't know yeah they definitely they definitely if for those of you who don't know the war dog document that was on hbo there was a real controversial section there where a dog that was a military dog went to a uh, sheriff's office, I think it was, and at the end, they thought maybe the dog was supposed to go back. There was all this fight over it, and I think I read, too, that the, the regiment didn't really stand up for him, if I had that right. Yeah, that's right. John and Mika were—John was shot. I don't think Mika was hit, but John was shot pretty pretty bad, so he stayed in Germany. Mika got sent back, and before he even could get back to the rear to see her— which, and the more I think about this, it makes me so mad. She had been shipped off, you know, and that that happens, you know, as people know, you know, dogs move around and stuff, that's okay, but not in that situation. And like, John needed to see her. And uh, so, anyways, 
He recovered. That seems like a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's still active duty, so he just, was just kind of tight-lipped about it. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if you, I was the one that, like, what was it? about 18 years ago, I walked from Fort Benning to D.C. over the Black Beret issue. Right. 700 miles when the Army yeah, gave the Black Beret. So I, I had my, my ins and outs with the regiment. No hard feelings. It's just uh, I was a civilian when I did that. So, um, you know, at the same time, if they called me right now and uh, we're going to war, I'd be like, yeah, all right, well. <laughs> it's a tough so, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how, because you weren't a handler in the Rangers. The Rangers, okay. and then I went to the unit right. unit at Bragg, and that's where I learned. I was trained there. So, no, I, I had, you know, other than, like, most people growing up, I didn't even hunt or anything like that. I had no experience with it. Just love dogs and love the training. And um, Pepper and I just clicked, you know, right from the get-go. I would stay after work and uh, just to spend time with her, and just we would just sit there and do nothing, you know. And it was great. I miss miss that dog. But what was the, uh, was the process trained. like of getting getting Pepper and selecting her and getting her trained up? And uh, so, how did that whole process go? I mean, I know that that specific unit you guys were part of got to do things not however you want but you guys do things differently and so was there like a long process for it or did you just like oh i'm gonna go pick this dog up and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see what happens so yeah it's it, it, it you're right it's not do what you want but it is you know best idea wins it's sort of this bottom-up leadership and you're allowed to think you know if one more person in the rangers told me i don't get paid to think no i can't take it anymore so i went to the unit and i I get to have ideas, and so does everybody else, and best idea wins, and it was actually, I was going through OTC and had some issues, and had to get put off for, um, to go to a, the next, well, and a, wait a couple years to go, so I said, they were just using operators to be dog handlers, but they weren't getting enough people that wanted to do it, and I said, well, I'm, well, I'm waiting for this next class, how about if I become a handler, and they said, hang on, and talk to you know, the people in charge, and five minutes later, it's like, go do it. So went to squadron as a handler and this was in 04. So it's changed so, 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 so much. I wouldn't know a thing, you know, what's going on nowadays, but at the time we're just having breakfast. My wife was very laughing. For some reason I thought about how the trainers were always telling me, don't make your dog into a human. Don't anthropomorphize your dog. (laughs) This morning I was just thinking like, we're teaching him to do CQB. How is that not making him human? (laughs) You know, exactly what we're doing like yeah i mean back then it was just training the dog to flow with us and really that hadn't been done and was was being learned and we learned it and they learned it and my god did it work and save lives that was one thing that fred kind of talked about too when we interviewed him about how there wasn't really a blueprint for you guys and when they started that that program at that unit they were kind of like they reached out to what they considered were the best and the brightest people around and it was kind of like we have money and we have resources and we have time and um you guys had a lot of interesting problems that were solved (laughs) i guess the best way to say it through the course of training course of action but like you said lots of lives saved lots of um success with that program in a very short amount of time from what i understand anyway yeah absolutely true um i wasn't there when it first started you know um the, the guys, the pioneers like, that uh, I served with, but um, it was definitely fledgling. So yeah, it was at times we pretty much didn't know what we were doing, but we knew we, we just kind of thought it could be done. And just like everything else, like figuring out CQB or how to go opposite of the man in front of you and clear a room, you do that as best as you can in training. And then you do, go do it for real, and then you see like dog gets shot. 
with uh, Saddam's sons, you know, okay, you, you learn and um, when to send it, the dog, or, or when not to. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an important skill too, even in the law enforcement side. I mean, you know, I always yell at my handlers. I'm like, you know, you're 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 a police officer first, and you're a canine handler second. And you know, I mean, I tell them, you know, you've got so many other tools at your disposal, and if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and not everything is a dog call. I'm constantly shocked at how many times I see things or I hear of things or whatever where I'm like, why did they even bother with the dog? Like, why send him? Why Why not? I mean, this is not a dog call. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and it sucks that you have to learn that way. But, I mean, in the end, like you said, ultimately those dogs are there to help save you guys, and they did. So talk about some of the success that you guys had on deployment with Pepper. Oh, uh, she was so awesome. She almost got fired in training. This is kind of just a little side story but before i had her she was working with somebody and she was the first female male or any dog that, that the unit had tried you know they brought her home from belgium and she just had i mean she was pedigreed and, and had all the certifications not that that matters but she was a really good dog and uh came back you know it was in the dark she came back and bit him like right in the junk which you're not supposed to he almost <laughs> got fired yeah she was so close to being let go came over and was just looking in the kennels you know there's all the tough rudy and uh and just all the who's dogging from home and they're like no man she's she's real you'll see <laughs> she was but uh she was the only dog that pretty much everybody could just open the, the kennel door and feed her and uh, let her roam around you pat your chest and she'd jump up in your arms that was her little trick so we get deploying and um it was it was just rough at first any bites for like or seven missions and she we really had to work around like helos at first so you know so we'd have the pilots back at bragg shut down you know get her on there with the jute just slowly because she resisted and i respected her because she didn't i knew if she really didn't want to do something it was for a reason so we slowly worked into that so um, our first trip i think was in 04 and we just went out several times and she was so frustrated she finally got a bite this it was a detainee, like it wasn't supposed to be a bite, but she was so, I mean, they would fire her again then because she just, they didn't see her acting mean. I didn't have to muzzle her with detainees. She hadn't had a bite yet, so she didn't know. And this detainee just sort of lurked, you know, like pushed back into me and she walked around him and just, you know, did what she should have done. She was protecting me and it was deal. And then after that, it was, you know, going in and uh, she was just so thorough and, and good, and then she could come do her thing, get a bite or whatever. Um, she wasn't detection at all. Like, it just, it's almost like she was spoiled. She just they tried to make a little purpose, but she just wanted to bite. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'd go on our hits. And then she was awesome. And then just, you know, that night, as I talk about in, in the documentary, she um, that was the hardest decision I've probably ever made in my life, sending her the second time because... Uh, you know, it just, it was hours and hours and hours and, um, this guy was in this hole and it was like, man, I wish somebody would have told me what to do or, or not to do. You know, there was just like the whole objective had been cleared for hours and, but there's still this squirter there in this spider hole down this muddy bank of the river in this thick, 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 thicker than jungle stuff on the Tigris river. And, uh, you know, I finally made the decision like after we threw everything we could at the squirter, you know frags and machine gun and rockets and everything and we couldn't do gun runs because of the civilian population right there but um, just the hardest decision she went she got him out but she was killed in the process um we think i mean i never was able to recover her body which was harder than hard it was <laughs> that's beyond um i can talk about this because i've talked about it so much um both at the va 
and uh, on the documentary, and you know that was um, not being able to recover her body. I dreamed about that for years. That that I was sort of, you know, the bird's eye platform and could see her running back and forth, waiting to for X, you know, to come in and get her. And I can't do anything. And I've dealt with that extensively, but uh, she was so so valuable, you know, on target and at least or more so just, you know, after targets when we'd lose somebody. Somebody was killed the night before she was killed, one of our guys, Lance Cornett. And she would just go around and uh, and just, uh, you'd hear her going room to room and sort of uh, people just coming back to life. Oh, hey, Pepper. And uh, she was amazing. Yeah, that situation there, there's really not too many people that can relate to that at all, having to leave her out there. Like, I don't know of any, actually. Some, it's not for a lack of effort either. I mean, you had the 160th yeah, guys like looking. I mean, you guys looked until daybreak or something, didn't you? I mean, you were out there forever looking. Yeah, and I'll sometimes come across pilots today from the 160th. They'll be like, "Oh, were you? Are you Pepper's handler?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like, like man, we tried and we spun up another bird over. You know, and we were and this and that. I'm like, I know, guys. You, <laughs> you know, like everybody. And I, God, I do stay, but I also knew you know, that he was making the hardest decision as I was to leave. When we flew in that night, you could see the hoods of Humvees and parts of Humvees that had just been blown up that day um, with IEDs. You know, it was early days of the war and as bad as it ever was there. People were, the rotation before that, we had 50% casualties wounded and killed. We had, you know, it was, it was a real war. <laughs> yeah. So when you um, when but, you guys were doing your workups and stuff with her and getting ready. Was she the kind of dog, did you have it so that other people could work her too? If you needed to say something happened to you? We we talked about that back then. To be just candid, I was super jealous with her. I um, People did work her, but I I just took that bonding really seriously. Um, I think she could have done it. I, I know she worked with somebody once, but you could tell a change. And that's, you know, what I was going for was that, you know, that, that inexplicable bond between dog and handler and we had that so i think she could have but i i also didn't want her to become this float dog or you know like i'm off doing something else and somebody just takes pepper i just wasn't cool with that (laughs) but i pushed back (laughs) so that was cool that she was able you know kind of help everybody else feel better after that one um was was that pretty common for her to just kind of go around and visit everybody back at the team area yeah that was uh you know again to be just sort of I'm getting older and retired, and so I don't. It's not the most social person, so I, I had. I've always had trouble fitting in at new places, um, for whatever reasons. And so to have Pepper, and uh, I could just let her go in the house, and as long as the Terps weren't around, you know, like make, make sure <laughs> right. it's really safe. And uh, people loved her. And then, you know, to the when people start to, uh, you know, drink and stuff and get a little silly, then I'd have to take her away because then they're gonna make themselves get bit. It's not like Everybody felt like they knew her. Like, that was the really neat thing. And those, those pilots, like, I I love those guys. And I, especially after the documentary, like, man, I've been meaning to tell you. I, you know, my kid wants me to tell about Pepper, this and that. And uh, she was so special. So how did they um, reach out to you about the documentary? My wife, Laura Miller, she was the vet tech there at the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, she came right after me in 05 and retired right after me. So we served together for about nine years so she as the vet tech there and there were three or four different vets when she was there but she stayed there that whole time as the tech she you know had these contacts with 
um, interagency uh, entities, you know, the bureau, what, whatever. And she just sort of was like this hub, Laura, my wife, to a lot of people. So somehow the producer, Brett Rodriguez, he's a great guy. He's a veteran. He, he got her number and uh, asked her if she knew anybody. And uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, she just thought of Pepper immediately. And uh, they had oh, already yeah. had John and Trent lined up. Um, so we, we spoke and Deborah Scranton, the director, it was, it's like, I, I wasn't looking to do anything like this and, you know, I didn't make any money for that, which is kind of why I did it. Like I'm not out to, um, there's, I have nothing against people making money off stories, but if I was going to do that, it was going to be because I trusted somebody to tell the story right. And I believe that they did. And that's why I did it. So it was kind of through Laura and then that's, she and I at the, at the end of the movie in our sailboat. That's what we're where we are right now. And Doug, the Labrador that I'm playing with in the front yard for a bit, he's he's in the show in the movie too. So the whole like premiere thing out in was it? Did they do it out in L.A. The premiere for it? Yeah, that's oh, a my whole goodness, different was, scene for you. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was like so cool because it was the last place in the world to have relationships develop in Hollywood and it was the opposite of what I expected. Um, I still, I just talked to the producer last week and he's like, yeah, Channing's still thinking about the whole documentary and everything. It's just really cool. But, and I still talk to everybody that put it together, the, um, and just some of the video people, it, uh, just sat in their hearts and I'm glad, you know, uh, so we're still friends and they just really validated what we do, what we're all trying to do, which is just the next right thing, pretty much for our country or our family or whatever it is for God. And uh, they got it out there in Hollywood. And I just, I'm still blown away by that. So who, what was the first autograph you signed? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you had some. <laughs> Did I? You had to have. There's I, no way. I don't, it wasn't like, what I did was make a bunch of contacts, like on the plane out there, some, uh, I think it was a Marine general or something recognized my tattoo. And he said, are you Pepper's handler? That's how everybody always. No, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. Um, we like, we're in touch now and we're friends. Uh, but autographs. No, it was just because the premiere was, um, it was kind of not closed, but it was only 150 people. All the seats were like assigned and Channing and his wife sat right behind me and Laura. <laughs> it was really cool. It was surreal. <laughs> I mean, but it was a real, it was a red carpet and it was almost comical to be there doing that. But, but also just, it was a long process. It took three years to make, you know, with us, it was only a few days of shooting interviews and the boat scene and all that. But, um, VA, how much work I, with the command did they have to do? A good bit. And, uh, yeah, that's what Brett did. He was as a, he had been in the military. So he, um, I sort of helped him with that, just getting him talking to the PAOs and whatnot. And uh, it was harder for the active duty guys. You know, the unit's just like, hey, just like always, do, do what you know is right. And so I did my best and haven't heard anything negative yet. Um, you know, it's just as long as you just do it for the right reasons, I think you'll always be okay. Yeah, I remember when that was going on. Uh, Trent actually lived about 40, eh, about 45 minutes from me. Uh, while that was going on, while the whole filming was going down, and I was actually there the day, one of the days they were recording up at his place. 
uh, with Leica and the, actually the five dogs that he bought um, that, that, that who he was working for at the time, they actually, the green dogs came from us. So I was up there helping him work and he, <laughs> when he described it to me, he's like, oh, I got some people, and at this point I was used to it because of the whole National Geographic thing with Trent and uh, with Leica. And yeah. So um, he was like, oh, some people are coming to like video me for something. I'm like for what? He goes, I don't know, some HBO thing. I'm like, is it a kind of a big deal? It, this is before I knew anything about it. He was like, no, nah, it's not that big of a deal. He's like, I just got to, you know, I got to take a shower and like fix my hair, I guess, and put a shirt that has collar on, collar on it, but I'll be fine. I'm like, okay. And that's all I heard. And then, cause we were working dogs. Like we were, you know, working, working bomb motor and working, working bike work. And I was yeah. like, okay. And then I see this come out. I was like, fuck dude, I didn't know that's what you were doing. And he was like, well, I didn't know it was going to be like that either. So he, yeah. I don't know if he, I don't know if he was lying to me or not, but he, it was. Land at Ranger he, Cool, yeah. 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 <laughs> so the, the night of the premiere, was that the first time you'd seen the finished product of your segment? No, I got to see it with the director gave me. She's like, don't show this to anybody. You know, I always wondered about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. They let you do that. You got to see that just yeah. in your tight knit little yeah. family there. Yeah. And we still talk to the director. She's she's awesome. She had something going in Russia that we was about to and we didn't end up doing it. But just good people like they just they really love America and want obviously not all of Hollywood, but these ones, these people just wanted to tell the story and the and the right to honor to the dogs and the handlers and families it's awesome yeah that is pretty awesome especially since for some of those folks man that's going out on a limb in their profession so i like to see that man i like to see them not really give a shit what the rest of those guys are out there making their little speeches and everything these guys are like you know what i'm gonna show some good shit here and support our folks that's, what I, so that's pretty cool yeah i really appreciated that because they th this documentary was eligible to be I always get this wrong. So they sent it to the uh, film festivals, like the Tribeca and all that. Oh, yeah. And it was like, if it had been three or four years earlier, it would have probably been huge. But it, not that I care, but it, you know, politics had just changed so much that uh, I guess De Niro and the, he runs the Tribeca, they're just like, yeah, this isn't what people want anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the best, you know, yeah. people out watching movies, whatever. It's still real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's huge on HBO. It was huge on, yeah. on there. Yeah. Mm. At least yeah, the I don't, people I'm I know. Like purposely <laughs> off social media, and um, I'm just glad the story was told. Trent, his story was my favorite, really. Like, most people key in on John's, which is heartbreaking. And John's a good man. I um, He's coming out to brag next month, I think. But uh, I like Trent's story just because Leica, she was, he, he had her there. And, oh, that did my heart so so good so much good to uh just put my hands on a mallet it'd been many years yeah Leica really is cool. uh Leica's still uh last time i saw her she's still uh she's she's social in ish <laughs> she she uh we stick a tennis ball in her mouth sometimes to keep her fucking biting people but she's uh, uh you know, i mean alicia and chloe went to the uh, uh they got nominated for that award for the um uh, the Hallmark thing, the uh, the Service Dog Awards thing, and um, 
Trent was there with her and everybody started clapping and had her on stage and she immediately was like, everybody's making noise. Who's getting it first? And she was like, <laughs> yeah, so she's still, uh, you know, because everybody sees her and they're like, oh, she's great. She's retired. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, not really. Uh, she, I mean, I've worked her before. I mean, I've worked her in a bite suit. So she still mm. fucking bites, man. I mean, she's, yeah, she's, she's still a Malinois. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so his story too is kind of interesting because um, he had Benno also. So um, we've actually had another one of the handlers on here that handled Benno also, and um, that story is crazy as well. And we've tried to have Trent on here. I think we might at some point, but but at any rate, we're gonna take a break for just a second, do some commercials, and we'll come back with Dave. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's talk about training and conferences. We know training budgets are always tight and that's why the crew from HITS goes the extra mile for you. Let's be honest here. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like HITS. It has now gotten so large that the 2019 HITS will be held at the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick Place. Experience matters when it comes to putting on a show like this and when it comes to police dog trainers. The guys who run HITS are still working police dogs, just like you. There's going to be three full days of training with five classes classes in session at a time. Toppers are going to range from patrol work and dog selection to case law, to search and rescue, to canine first aid and everything in between. They had 1,100 people in attendance last year in DC and are planning for more this year. And it wouldn't be a conference without the vendors. The McCormick Place has enough room for 100 vendor booths. You can meet the people that make the equipment you guys use every single day. The vendors make coming to hits an experience like nothing else in this industry. Plus the free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Last year they gave away about 40 grand in cash and prizes from vendors. I expect Chicago to be bigger. So come join the crew from Working Dog Radio in Chicago during the week of August 13th through the 16th at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I know handlers and I know you people wait to the last minute to do everything. Don't be that guy. Head over to Hits Canine. Dot net. That's the letter K, the number nine, to get registered and save money on your registration for doing it early. There's also information about the discounted hotel rooms. That's August 13th through the 16th in Chicago. If you didn't write it down, we got the link in the show notes. Highland Canine Training, LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number nine, training.com, and make your unit better. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's take a break for a second. Let's talk about Dogtra. We make no bones about the fact that Eric and I love Dogtra. In fact, we've been users of them since long before we even started the podcast, and it's one of the reasons that we approached them to be sponsors of the show. We typically only want to have stuff on here that we actually use and that we can stand behind and endorse. Dogtra is one of those companies. They've been at it for a long time and are industry leaders when it comes to production of reliable, consistent training equipment for your dog, whether it be poppers and droppers, whether it be e-collars or now they've got the new gps one which eric has been playing with and he really really likes it so what i want everyone to do is head to dogtra.com you get a 10 percent off 
of any item over $200 and you use the discount code WDR10. That's just like the initials of the show, Working Dog Radio, WDR10. Hit them up. Hey guys, Eric here. If you listen to Working Dog Radio or follow me on social media, Van SK9, you know that I am involved in a wide variety of aspects of the dog world. I am a police dog trainer, pet dog trainer, I own dog daycare, and I am a pet owner. So I have a wide variety of needs when it comes to gear for the dogs, daily living things for the dogs, all kinds of items, training, anything possible I need. I go to one place, rayallen.com. Rayallen.com is a one-stop shop for everything dog related. Anything you could possibly need, check them out. rayallen.com. They've been doing a long time. Great customer service, super high integrity at that place. rayallen.com. Put in promo code working dog radio for 10% off your next order. Ted and I love that place. rayallen.com. Get on there, click everything you need, ship it all at once. rayallen.com for all things dogs. Yo, everybody, let's talk about getting a job. Coast to Coast Canine is hiring experienced full-time and part-time drug and explosive detection canine handlers. If you're interested, shoot Peggy Heiser an email at pheiser, P-H-E-I-S-E-R at c2ckanine.com. That's the letter C, the number two, the letter C, the number K, the number nine.com. What you have to have to be eligible for this is a minimum of three years knowledge in handling detection or training experience with law enforcement and military and large breed high drive dogs. You gotta possess a trainer certification from a state recognized agency or national certification such as USPCA, NAPWADA, NNDDA, or something similar. You also need to have a knowledge and or experience as an instructor or a canine handler with a state recognized agency like the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. You gotta speak fluent Spanish and English. If you have all that, they're willing to give you a competitive wage and employee benefits. Again, that's P. Heiser at C2CCanine.com. All right, we are back with Dave Nielsen. Pepper, uh, the 160th guys are flying around looking, and you end up coming back and doing, you said, another two years after that? And then I w- so I went back to a sniper recce team, um, and then... I just remember I'd be uh, assaulting or, you know, upstairs just about finished clearing. And, um, like, um, one of the handler's dogs would come running by and I'd grab them and chuck them into a closet or something like, cause I knew, you know, just how much they can do. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the handler. I still had a little bit of handler and they still wanted to <laughs> do a piece of it. But. So you end up having like, if I remember from hearing another interview, you end up having like, uh, 9,000 surgeries on your back and a whole plethora of yeah. um, TBI injuries from all kinds of things. And what a lot of people don't understand too about the TBIs is they think that's from like falling off a building and hitting your head or being in a, a crash. Um, but I think I heard you say that most of yours is just straight up being near explosions. And I would imagine being a sniper that concussion off of walls doesn't help and things like that. Yeah, it was pretty much self-induced, just, you know, building these huge bombs to get into the huge doors. And then sometimes, you know, we've got the ceramic plates on our chest. Mm-hmm. And usually when explosives hurt people, it's because it, of your lungs. They collapse or start to collapse. And it's like, okay, I can't breathe. I'm going the other way. But when those plates are attenuating the blast, your brain is, is absorbing all of it. And we know this now, but back then, uh, what are you going to do? So just, I was 
the team breacher, not heavy breacher, but the team put the bomb on the door breacher guy for years and years and years and love that job. I wish I could still do it, but <laughs> we pay a toll, um, you know, in my back, Jesus, having that dog pulling on your hip. Oh my goodness. Pepper was small, uh, 53, 55 pounds, but man, when they're pulling hard on, on your hip and you're looking the other way, <laughs> your spine's yeah. getting all twisted. It's, it's a tough job. How much, you know, so I was a police dog handler for a long time and I, I worked it with our SWAT team, but we never, a lot of departments don't really work integrated really well with their, their canines and their SWAT team. Usually you're the perimeter guy. Did you work a ton of um, shooting with the dog on that leash on your hip? In training, yes. And, you know, in, in combat, yes. We were, that was our thing. Um, we went in with the team. And so, yeah, that's that's what we did. And I I got to say, I don't say this lightly for SWAT handlers or, you know, police officer handlers. I have a friend who is retired, but like I will say a special prayer for you guys because of the mental algorithm you must go through, all the extra rules you have. And uh, like, it's one thing to be in a different country. And if, you know, if you accidentally bite somebody, that's bad, but it's just a dog bite. But uh, the stories I hear about y'all, it's um, like my hats are seriously off to you for doing that that is hard 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 work mentally yeah you know and the funny thing man is what when guys get out of my line of work um either on retire regular retirement age or early it's it's not the work that does it to them it's all that crap you know all that yeah. political crap all the everything else except for actually the work so yeah. um yeah there's i had a okay some guys have have had it way worse i hear stories all over the place you know, of how guys had to do things. It's not fun. So with your team, were you wearing one of those quick-release bungee leashes on your on your hip? Yep, I had that. Or what on my left side is, I don't know, 18, 20-inch bungee quick-release. I loved it. I had the yellow pull tab that's, you know, the jettison tab from uh, mm-hmm. parachuting. And yep. still have is it. Is that actually. from Direct Jackson Canine by any chance? This one was handmade. Like, we handmade all our stuff back then. Um, yeah, so this was right off an old parachute rig. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's I think that's the genesis of that company, of the boys from Direct Action. Uh, I think we're we're unit guys. Yeah, I uh, don't keep up with it, but I every now and then I hear like I know Fred who you're talking about and um, mm-hmm. Al and all them. So I, I wish him well. So how is uh, retirement now? I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I we fish. We uh, I'm a student. I'm a full time student, and I love it. Just you know, we got twin six year old boys, kind of older for that uh 48 years old but uh you know it's wouldn't change a thing um it's i'm glad i did it but i also kind of the older i get i can't believe that i did it (laughs) if that makes sense just oh my god how did we do that like just over and over and over every night you know two three hits a night like oh my gosh how did the dogs do it yeah. You know, like. Yeah, they, um, well, I, I, I trained dogs on for uh, Naval Special Warfare for a little while. And, you know, the, the those dogs were coming back after two or three rotations. They were pretty checked out. They were, you know, they were over it mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. So you, uh, yeah. I, and um, by the way, I'll be 50 this year. So I do, I do have you beaten there. So I get the, I know okay. the old guy feelings for sure. Wow. And you're still doing it? No, nah, just retired. Oh, that's right. Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah, just, well, just got out. It, um, I, I, I heard in one of the podcasts, um, listened to your interview talking about like your, when you grew up and everything, uh, if I remember right, you grew up just north of Detroit. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, 
just north of Detroit and that whole area out there is like horrible. Like there's just not much to do. There's not a lot. It's the roads are like driving on the moon up there. It's like terrible. And when, when you were 16, it was probably really bad. I mean, I was up there, I go up there every once in a while to the airport and I'm like, this is the worst up here. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine a ton of people from up where you're at, like made it out and, and, and did anything. Where do you think, had you not gone into the military where you might've been? Wow. I shudder to think about that. I, and I don't <laughs> go back up there anymore just because it's like, uh, I, I, last time I was there was in the nineties and I said, or I don't, I don't know, 2000 something, but I was so nervous cause I had my daughter and dog, you know, in the city. And I was like, man, at least in Baghdad, I have a fighting chance. I can defend myself. I can't do that in Detroit. I don't want to be here. <laughs> so oh, I got out of there. Thank goodness. My wife's from Nebraska pretty close to Oklahoma where you are, Ted. And, uh, she, uh, she got out of there too. And it's not like North Carolina is the hoppingest place in the world, but it's where we are and it's okay. And, um, you know, just got around a lot in the, in the army it, towards the end when I, after the TBIs and all that, I, I went into language and, uh, just really got over in the middle East a lot using language and culture skills. And that was, uh, I wanted to get some dog stuff going with that. Like, uh, just kind of some low signature stuff. Didn't have the chance. Um, but uh, I am, yeah, north of Detroit, south of Detroit, anywhere around Detroit. No thanks. Yeah, no offense. I'm about an, I'm about a three hours from Detroit, and I don't unless I go to the airport to get dogs. I have no reason to go up there whatsoever. It's horrible. Yeah. So I go see the Red Wings here in Carolina, but that's good enough. <laughs> You know, for those people listening, I mean, you know, you talked about the bond and I think all the handlers that are listening uh, can certainly identify with that. But uh, for the people that are that haven't handled a dog in the situations that um, you were in, you know, ultimately Pepper's not here and she saved who knows how many lives doing what she was trained to do, what she loved to do. So, you know, kind of moving forward, you know, what do you want, to, uh, I guess, Pepper's legacy to be or what do you want people to remember about her and then guys that are in your position or will soon be in your position uh, that are listening to this, what advice do you have for them? I'd say um, just dogs have hearts and they have personalities and how, you know, how far we go with that. I don't, I don't know, but um, I, I see it as everything I did in the army. And as I, I'm getting ready to mentor my niece's boyfriend going into the army, it's all about developing your heart to me. That's where it all begins. You know, yep, we work out, we, we learn this, we learn that, we tack all these skills onto each other, but if we don't develop our hearts, then we don't know how to make those decisions. So I don't know if I would tell that to a young person, like it, it might not just make sense to them, but, but definitely be aware of all that. You know, it's not just a dog, but it is a dog and they're there to die for a human being. So just make sure that it's, uh, you know, you'll know, just trust your heart and develop your heart and you'll know when it's time or not time to send that dog. There's times I wish I wouldn't have sent her that second time, um, but I also know that we did everything we could, and uh, it's what happened. Uh, I don't know if you remember in the movie where I talked about her looking back at me. That was the weirdest thing, because I know she wanted to go, so I was going to send her, but then I did, and she bounced off to the edge, the, the drop-off, you know, this bank, this river bank was about a 12-foot, just slide down this muddy hill into this uh, thick, thick brush where this guy was hiding, and... Uh, she stopped right before she committed down the hill and looked back at me. I'm looking at her through nods, but she just never did that. And I just, I can still remember, you know, I was thinking like at the time, like, what is she looking back at me for? And it's 
excuse me, two or three seconds, and then she was gone, and then less than, I don't know, 30 seconds, it was like, okay, I see him. My, my buddy, you know, the, the team with me saw the guy finally come out of the hole. They killed him, and then we started the search for her, and she was she was drowned. I'm pretty positive of it. We just couldn't recover her body, and uh, it's uh, one question I'll have for God that I'm sure he's got the answer for me when that time comes, but uh, I have faith that every tear will be wiped dry. End on a real tough note there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and like you said, that's that's her. That's her. Uh, you know, that's ultimately why they're there, and whether they all, whether they know the price of you know that or not, is not really. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, if they do or not. I, I don't think they do. But you know, yeah. um, the one thing that I, that's been repeated to me several times by people in that position are, you know, ultimately they're there uh, for that. Because they don't understand that, they don't understand what's at stake. That you have to be there. Uh, you you gotta have to be dev- play devil's advocate for them uh, because they will jump off bridges, they will chase people into traffic, they will do what they're trained to do. And uh, so, you know, when we make that decision, when that decision is made, you want to make sure it's for the right reasons. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we tra- we as humans um, train out all the uh, self preservation out of those dogs. You know, but. Like it just has yeah. to be that way. Yeah, and in a way, it's heartbreaking to think about that. It's like, uh, but you know, Laura's big on this. Like they, they want to work more than anything else, and that is clear. Your first day as a handler, you can just tell like that's what they want to do. Um, so, you know, and the ones that are, gosh, there's so many dogs that don't get selected. The ones that do make it and have it. I mean, they were built like that. They were made like that to do this what most humans can't do. It's incredible. Um, so it's tragic, but it's, uh, it's awesome that we save people's lives with that. That's a good way. We'll end there. How about that? Yeah. Well, really appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. I know you're, uh, relaxing. You got a, uh, did you get a fishing pole in the water today or not? Not yet. We just got here this afternoon. We will probably get one out tomorrow. Gentlemen, I really appreciate you guys, what you do. And, um, this and your, your other jobs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate right. it thank you yeah thanks man like I mean you're working with dogs and stuff too so I but I appreciate oh, you yeah. get, get the message out you know to the world right? thank you alright man thank you very much thank you thank right, you guys, have a good week you too bye bye I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work one of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Cavalier inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at alnk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order tell him you heard it here now go get bit we love usa canine dog toys 
They are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers. USA Canine Dog Toys are made in the U.S. from adorable Super Chewer rubber compound. Ted and I love them and use them all the time. Go check them out at www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up. Specifically for guys in this podcast. For if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely, and these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.